I always made a point of telling the doctors I was sane and asking to be released, but the more I endeavored to assure them of my sanity, the more they doubted it. Hello, and welcome back. This is the second season of History Obscura, and the creatures and I are so delighted to have you back for another year full of creepy little mysteries from history. What follows today is Nellie Bly's personal account of entering an insane institution in New York in the 1860s. Originally published in 1877, her story is called Ten Days in a Madhouse. Now before I dive in, I'd just like to remind you to follow the podcast on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook if you'd like to do something nice for me and my little creature friends here in the History Obscure Reading Room and Estate. Perhaps click on the link to buy us a cup of tea. We'd appreciate it ever so much. Also a share and a like here and there. Ten Days in a Madhouse Chapter 1 A Delicate Mission On the 22nd of September, I was asked by the world if I could have myself committed to one of the asylums for the insane in New York, with a view to writing a plain and unvarnished narrative of the treatment of the patients therein, and the methods of management, etc., did I think I had the courage to go through such an ordeal as the mission would demand? Could I assume the characteristics of insanity to such a degree that I could pass the doctors, live for a week among the insane, without the authorities there finding out that I was only a child among them taking notes? I said I believed I could. I had some faith in my own ability as an actress and thought I could assume insanity long enough to accomplish any mission entrusted to me. Could I pass a week in the insane ward at Blackwell's Island? I said I could and I would. And I did. My instructions were simply to go on with my work as soon as I felt that I was ready. I was to chronicle faithfully the experiences I underwent, and when once within the walls of the asylum to find out and describe its inside workings, which are always so effectually hidden by white-capped nurses, as well as bolts and bars, from the knowledge of the public. We do not ask you to go there for the purpose of making sensational revelations. Write up things as you find them, good or bad. Give praise or blame as you think best and the truth all the time. But I am afraid of that chronic smile of yours, said the editor. I will smile no more, I said, and I went away to execute my delicate and, as I found out, difficult mission. If I did get into the asylum, which I hardly hoped to do, I had no idea that my experiences would contain aught else than a simple tale of life in an asylum. That such an institution could be mismanaged 
and that cruelties could exist neath its roof, I did not deem possible. I had always had a desire to know asylum life more thoroughly, a desire to be convinced that the most helpless of God's creatures, the insane, were cared for kindly and properly. The many stories I had read of abuses in such institutions I had regarded as wildly exaggerated, or else romances. Yet there was a latent desire to know positively. I shuddered to think how completely the insane were in the power of their keepers, and how one could weep and plead for release, and all of no avail, if the keepers were so minded. Eagerly, I accepted the mission to learn the inside workings of the Blackwell Island Insane Asylum. But how will you get me out? I asked my editor. After I once get in. I do not know, he replied. But we will get you out if we have to tell who you are, and for what purpose you feigned insanity. Only get in. I had little belief in my ability to deceive the insanity experts, and I think my editor had less. All the preliminary preparations for my ordeal were left to be planned by myself. Only one thing was decided upon, namely, that I should pass under the pseudonym of Nellie Brown, the initials of which would agree with my own name and my linen so that there would be no difficulty in keeping track of my movements and assisting me out of any difficulties or dangers I might get into. There were ways of getting into the insane ward, but I did not know them. I might adopt one of two courses. Either I could feign insanity at the house of friends and get myself committed on the decision of two competent physicians, or I could go to my goal by way of the police courts. On reflection, I thought it wiser not to inflict myself upon my friends or to get any good-natured doctors to assist me in my purpose. Besides, to get to Blackwell's island, my friends would have had to feign poverty. And unfortunately for the end I had in view, my acquaintance with the struggling poor, except my own self, was only very superficial. So I determined upon the plan which led me to the successful accomplishment of my mission. I succeeded in getting committed to the insane ward at Blackwell's Island, where I spent ten days and nights and had an experience which I shall never forget. I took upon myself to enact the part of a poor, unfortunate crazy girl and felt it my duty not to shirk any of the disagreeable results that should follow. I became one of the city's insane wards for that length of time, experienced much, and saw and heard more of the treatment accorded to this helpless class of our population. And when I had seen and heard enough, my release was promptly secured. I left the insane ward with pleasure and regret. Pleasure that I was once more able to enjoy the free breath of heaven. Regret that I could not have brought with me some of the unfortunate women who lived and suffered with me, and who, I am convinced, 
are just as sane as I was and am now myself. But here let me say one thing. From the moment I entered the insane ward on the island, I made no attempt to keep up the assumed role of insanity. I talked and acted just as I do in ordinary life. Yet, strange to say, the more sanely I talked and acted, the crazier I was thought to be by all except one physician, whose kindness and gentle ways I shall not soon forget. Chapter 2 Preparing for the Ordeal But to return to my work and my mission. After receiving my instructions, I returned to my boarding house and when evening came, I began to practice the role in which I was to make my debut on the morrow. What a difficult task, I thought, to appear before a crowd of people and convince them that I was insane. I had never been near insane persons before in my life, and had not the faintest idea of what their actions were like. And then to be examined by a number of learned physicians who make insanity a specialty and who daily come in contact with insane persons. How could I hope to pass these doctors and convince them that I was crazy? I feared that they could not be deceived. I began to think my task a hopeless one, but it had to be done. So I flew to the mirror and examined my face. I remembered all I had read of the doings of crazy people, how first of all they have staring eyes, and so I opened mine as wide as possible and stared unblinkingly at my own reflection. I assure you, the sight was not reassuring, even to myself, especially in the dead of night. I tried to turn the gas up higher in hopes that it would raise my courage. I succeeded only partially but I consoled myself with the thought that in a few nights more I would not be there, but locked in a cell with a lot of lunatics. The weather was not cold, but nevertheless, when I thought of what was to come, wintry chills ran races up and down my back in very mockery of the perspiration which was slowly but surely taking the curl out of my bangs. Between times... Practicing before the mirror and picturing my future as a lunatic, I read snatches of improbable and impossible ghost stories, so that when the dawn came to chase away the night, I felt I was in a fit mood for my mission. Yet hungry, enough to feel keenly that I wanted my breakfast. Slowly and sadly, I took my morning bath and quietly bade farewell to a few of the most precious articles known to modern civilization. Tenderly, I put my toothbrush aside, and when taking a final rub of the soap, I murmured, It may be for days, and it may be for longer. Then I donned the old clothing I had selected for the occasion. I was in the mood to look at everything through very serious glasses. It's just as well to take a last fond look, I mused, for who could tell but that the strain of playing crazy and being shut up with a crowd of mad people might turn my own brain, and I would never get back 
but not once did I think of shirking my mission. Calmly, outwardly at least, I went out to my crazy business. I first thought it best to go to a boarding house and, after securing lodgings, confidentially tell the landlady, or lord, whichever it might chance to be, that I was seeking work and, in a few days after, apparently go insane. When I reconsidered the idea, I feared it would take too long to mature. Suddenly, I thought how much easier it would be going to a boarding house for working women. I knew if, once I made a house full of women believe me crazy, that they would never rest until I was out of their reach and in secure quarters. From a directory, I selected the Temporary Home for Females, number 84, 2nd Avenue. As I walked down the avenue, I determined that, once inside the home, I should do the best I could to get started on my journey to Blackwell's Island and the Insane Asylum. Join me next Saturday night for the next piece of the puzzle. And while you're waiting, riddle me this. Why is a Lycoy so like a writing desk? Good night. Mm -hmm.